Ashley. Good morning. How are you? Feels good in this place, doesn't it? You just clap your hands one more time. Just thank God for meeting us here. Thank you for the Holy Spirit meeting in this place. Amen. Thank you for being here with us, either in person or online. So glad that you've joined us. For those that might not know, my name is Daniel Sutton. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And thank you, Pastors Chris and Jody, for the opportunity to share the word today. So when I was eight years old, my parents took me and my friend Alex to Typhoon Lagoon, one of Disney's water parks. Raise your hand if you've ever been. It's a good time. Yeah, Pastor Jacob is a fan. So somehow, some way, at Typhoon Lagoon, as an eight or nine-year-old, we got separated from my parents on the Lazy River and ended up getting lost in the park for a couple of hours. And everyone knows what you're supposed to do in that situation, right? What are you supposed to do if you get lost? Just stay put. Yeah, you, good job. Good job. That's what you're supposed to do. Kids, you just stay put. Well, who does that? Well, let's be honest. Who really does that? That's not what the movies show you you should do. So we went round and round the Lazy River a couple more times, got out, hit a couple water slides, hopped in the wave pool, and eventually started to get a little nervous. Like, okay, something's off here. And so we started looking for my parents. We did, we did not stay put. We went round and round the park, probably missed each other a number of times. We eventually returned back to the Lazy River where we had last seen my parents, and we heard our names over the loudspeakers. I don't know if they do that anymore, but they did back then. They told us where to report. Your parents are on the way. Stay put. And we were reunited, and all was well with the world. Now, for some reason, we got in trouble that night. You believe that? We even got spanked, me and my friend. And there was no phone call for permission from his parents. It just went down. And I have to tell you, we did not separate ourselves from my parents on purpose. We did not wander off on purpose. We just kind of drifted along. So in my opinion, if anyone should have been in trouble, it should have been my parents. Not us. We didn't lose them. They lost us. We didn't forget them. They forgot about us. Now, as a parent of three, I have a slightly different perspective. I understand how hard it is just to keep your eyes on your kids at the grocery store or even at home, much less a theme park. Nevertheless, they forgot us. We did not forget them. And I still wonder to this day how long it took my parents to realize that we were not beside them in the lazy river. I mean, like how relaxed were they? How much of in vacation mode were they before it dawned on them that their son and his friend were gone? I just picture my mom, she's right over there on the inner tube with her hands behind her head, trying not to get her hair wet as best she could. And just like, ah, oh, this is wonderful. Oh, isn't this one? Larry, isn't this wonderful? Dan, are you having a good time? Dan? Dan? And then I picture her like tipping off and her hair getting wet and it would have been a fun sight to see. But how could they forget about me? 
It reminds me of the scene from Home Alone when the mom realizes on the plane that they left Kevin at home. Kevin! Right? Classic. I still don't think I'm completely over it, if I'm honest. Will you pray for me? Now, this experience at Typhoon Lagoon as a little boy reminds me of an experience that Jesus had as a little boy. It's in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. You can follow along in your Bible, in the app. It's also up here on the screen. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy, Jesus, stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. How could my parents forget me? How could Jesus' parents forget him? They traveled on for a day thinking that he was with them and he and didn't find him until three days later. Come on, Mary, you had one job. <laughs> I mean, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, places the Son of God inside of you, and you're not going to watch him a little bit closer than that a day? Really? Could you imagine seeing this on the news tomorrow morning? And we see that Mary and Joseph were frantic, right? Verse 48, they said to Jesus, why have you done this to us? We've been anxiously searching for you. Classic. <laughs> Blaming Jesus, just like my parents blamed me. <laughs> now listen, I said all of that to get right here. Are you listening? Have you ever felt like you forgot Jesus? Have you ever felt that you forgot about the Holy Spirit? And before you're quick to say, no way, not me, think about your everyday life. Have you ever been so busy, so wrapped up in something that you had to get done that you didn't even think to ask for the Holy Spirit's help? You didn't intentionally tap into his power to accomplish that task? How involved is the Holy Spirit in your everyday life? Are you operating in your strength alone or are you living in his power? Is your default setting just to get things done by yourself, or are you quick to invite the Holy Spirit's leading and help? Have you ever thought or maybe even asked yourself, man, if Jesus is living inside of me, then why do I feel so powerless? One of our last series in 2020 was a mini-series on the Holy Spirit, and Pastor Chris preached about the person of the Holy Spirit, and the breath of fresh air that is the Holy Spirit. It was so good. If you missed that, I encourage you to go back. It's November 15th and November 22nd, 2020. Those will be a blessing to you. But this morning, I want to talk with you about plugging 
into the power of the Holy Spirit. Say, plug it in. Say it again. Plug it in. You remember that old Glade commercial? Plug it in, plug it in, right? The Bible commands us to live our Christian lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit, in submission to the Holy Spirit. And in order to live our lives under and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we must be filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't get drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Notice present and future being addressed here. You know him, for he lives with you and will live in you. Jesus is showing us that he asked the Father for some help, for us, for an advocate, for a support. And the Holy Spirit is the answer to that request of Jesus. And now if you're a believer, he lives inside of you and he teaches you and he guides you and reminds you of everything that Jesus has ever said. And the Holy Spirit is always at work. Hear that. The Holy Spirit is always at work. The Holy Spirit actually works with us before we even begin a relationship with Jesus. How cool is that? For it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sin and shows us that Jesus is the solution. And when we accept Jesus as Savior and invite him into our lives, the Holy Spirit then comes into our lives. He first works with us and then he comes into us for no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit tells us that we're God's children, and then he starts changing us from the inside out and giving us a new nature. And then next, we see the Holy Spirit comes upon us to empower us. This is what the earliest Christians experienced in Acts chapter 2. And this same power is available to us today. For in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, it says, This promise, the Holy Spirit, is to you and your children, and even to the Gentiles. Yes, all who have been called by the Lord our God. This is the power that we have access to, but we have to plug it in. Amen? So there's a little background quickly of how the Holy Spirit works with us and in us and comes upon us. And when that happens, things should start to look differently. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If we bring that to the here and now, that, that message was being given in Jerusalem. So Jesus is telling the disciples, you're going to be my witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit right where you're at. And then you pan out, you see Judea. So you, you can pan out from here in Jacksonville, whichever little suburb you're in, and, and we expand that to Duval and to Clay counties, and, and then we even go out a little further. This is what Jesus is talking to. 
And when, when that happens, there's a transfer of power and that power builds our witness and that power begins to produce some things in our life. It's Galatians chapter five, verses 22 through 25. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love. Read, read these out loud with me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. This passage shows us at least four reasons, probably six or seven really, but why we need to let the Holy Spirit have full control of our lives. Number one, if you're taking note, the Holy Spirit helps us make the right decisions and conquer our sin nature. Number two, the Holy Spirit changes our desires and makes it easier for us to follow God's guidelines. Number three, we begin to obey him, not because we feel forced to, because we actually want to. And finally, the Holy Spirit encourages us to seek God's approval above our own and above the approval of others. See, the Holy Spirit starts to produce his qualities in our lives. He helps us live lives that are pleasing to God. And isn't that what we want? We want to live a life that's pleasing to God. But this is impossible on our own. But by the power of the Holy Spirit and his qualities growing inside of our lives, the whole Holy Spirit makes following Christ a joy, not a job. A pleasure, not a pain. There's far too many Christians who never spend any time thinking about the Holy Spirit, much less soaking up his presence and then intentionally plugging in to his unmatched and limitless power. This is a problem. Have you ever known or have you ever seen something good in someone, but they couldn't see it in themselves? Raise your hand if you've had that experience, right? That can be frustrating, right? God sees so much inside of you that either you aren't aware of or you know it's there and you're just not tapping into it. Or have you ever known someone that was so smart, so talented and just oozing with potential, but they just never applied themselves? Have you known somebody like that? See, I got good grades in school, but I had to work really hard to earn them. And I had some friends who barely studied, didn't even bother with homework, and then they'd ace the test and still do fine in the class. And it used to drive me crazy. I know some people, and I bet you do too, that could have done anything they wanted with their life, could have chosen any career path and been very successful, but they just didn't care. They just weren't driven. They weren't motivated. And it's so frustrating to see what they're in now because they just didn't really tap into their potential. They didn't, in this case, plug into the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. And I think, unfortunately, this is the impression that many Christians give because we know we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us and his power that's stronger than anything else. Yet so often, we just operate in our own strength and in our own knowledge. 
We just kind of coast along rather than really kicking into the high gears that we have access to. It's like we're driving along the road of life, not even going the speed limit, feeling like we're in a beater, falling apart, but really underneath the hood, there's a Bugatti engine. Or think about it this way. You're given a blindfold and handed a can of soda, asked to do a blind taste test, and you're asked to identify whether this soda is Coke or Pepsi. Where are my Coke fans? Where are my Pepsi fans? Where are all my healthy water drinkers? Water only. You're so holy. I know what... I know somebody in here is all about that Mountain Dew life. <laughs> so if you were asked to identify this as Coke or Pepsi, you take a sip, take off your blindfold, and there's water inside of a Coke can. You'd be pretty shocked, wouldn't you? Because if you see a Coke can, you expect there to be what inside? <laughs> yeah, not a trick question. Coke inside of this Coke can. When the world sees a follower of Christ, they ought to see Christ. They ought to sense something different about you, even if they don't know what it is. And what it is, is the power of the Holy Spirit. But I think it's dormant in too many of our lives. My fear is that there's a lot of Christians these days claiming to be filled with the Spirit and walking in His power, but the world can't tell. The world can't see it. The contents aren't matching the label. There's some false advertising going on. And it is God's desire for every Christian to live in the fullness and power of the Holy Spirit every single day so that we can live the life that God has called us to live, do the things God has called us to do, love the way he's called us to love. Amen? So as we think about the power of the Holy Spirit and plugging into it, let's consider some basic items that you could argue possess the power and potential to be very influential and very life-changing even. A pen. A pen. A light bulb. A bottle of water. Good time to take a sip. A roll of duct tape. A, a match or a lighter. A dollar bill. Dollar. You could argue that all of these items are pretty simple. Pretty basic, right? Things that many people have access to. You could also argue that these items have the potential to be extremely helpful, powerful even. Now, maybe that power is taken for granted or maybe that power is not even taken advantage of. Maybe the power that these items possess or could possess is somewhat hidden or untapped, most, if not all of these items, have power that becomes more evident when some action is applied to the situation, right? You see, a pen, it's just a pen, but 
put into the hand of the Apostle Paul, and we have most of the New Testament. A light bulb is just a light bulb, but if you take it out of this package and then screw it into a power source, this one light bulb can illuminate a large, dark space. A bottle of water is just a bottle of water, but there are some people in some areas of the world that might kill for this because they don't have access to it and they know it sustains life. Duct tape. It's just a roll of duct tape, but it's still holding my car window up in place for like a couple months now. I still haven't gotten it fixed, but it's still doing all right, thanks in large part to duct tape. Uh, a lighter, just one little click of a lighter can set, I mean, it could set this whole place on fire. It could set a whole forest on fire, just one spark. A dollar, just a dollar, but it's more than half of what most people in the world live on every single day. Isn't that crazy? All these basic items have great potential, but they can't accomplish anything on their own. If they stay in the bag, they won't do any good. They've got to be picked up, activated, plugged in. You tracking with me? Power comes in many different shapes and sizes, and there's no greater power than the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living in you. When we ignore the potential of what God can do through our lives because we fail to plug into his power, much of his potential impact in and through us remains unseen. And we are plan A for God's mission. Did you know that? You are plan A, but we've got to plug in in order to be effective. Jesus explained to the disciples in John 16, verses 5 through 11, that it was actually, this is a paraphrase, it was actually better for the disciples, and, and we can put ourselves in that camp, it was better for them if he left and ascended to heaven so that the Holy Spirit would come and live inside of them, empowering and guiding them to live lives that bring glory to him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm one of these OG disciples and Jesus says that, Jesus in the flesh, mind you, says that he was going to be leaving, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing, guys. I'm getting ready to leave, but it's a good thing. I would have been really confused, and I probably would have even objected, right? Like, how could that be a good thing, Jesus? What could be better than literally walking and talking with Jesus in the flesh? Jesus' answer, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and his power within us. I heard one preacher say that the Holy Spirit is kind of like Jesus 2.0. And I'm not sure how I feel about that, but it's interesting to, to think about it. It's absolutely amazing that, that God the Father would give us a helper. He would answer the request of Jesus and give us a helper, a guide, a comforter, an advocate, a power that could change us and change the world around us. 
And when we're filled with the Spirit, and again, that's the terminology Paul used in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. It's not just a temporary comes and goes emotional experience. No, we're empowered to then live all in for Jesus, to continue to glorify Christ on earth. That's still the mission, and we can be an important part of that mission if we will plug in. Amen? Have you ever met a perfect Christian? I haven't. No, not yet. I mean, if you've ever felt like, I can't do the right things, I can't say the right things, I, I don't share the gospel like I know I should, I'm not the strongest reflection of Christ in the workplace, you're right. You're right. You can't do all those things on your own. The only person to ever succeed in being a perfect Christian is Christ Jesus himself. But he left us this same power, this same spirit, this same presence. And it's not a power that should remain hidden or underutilized. You have to plug it in. I know I'm just beating this dead horse, but you have to plug it in. I wouldn't be beating this dead horse if we were seeing more of the Spirit of God in action and things changing in this city. Have you ever gotten mad at your coffee pot or your blender for not working only to realize that it wasn't plugged in? Guilty. Okay, I'm going to be honest. Or maybe you called computer support and the first question they asked you was, is your computer plugged in? If you want to access the power, then you have to plug it in. If you want to access the power of the Holy Spirit, you have to plug it in. And you've either got to stay plugged in all the time or intentionally plug that thing in every single day. I have a friend who's a pastor, and he prays this every single day. I think Pastor Chris prays something similar. Every single morning he prays, Holy Spirit, fill every part of me all over again. My mind, my mouth, my motives, my moods, my words, my actions, my decisions, my everything. He prays that every single day, and I asked him why, and he said, well, it's not because the power of the Holy Spirit somehow you know, deteriorates or decreases throughout a difficult day, but it's that sometimes he leaks. Sometimes we leak, don't we? But we've got to plug into this power every single day. Too many Christians are operating without the power of the Holy Spirit. They have access, but they're not plugged into it. So maybe you've been in a place where you are reading God's word and even coming here on a Sunday morning, maybe going to a Bible study, praying regularly, but you don't feel like you're connecting with God. The Holy Spirit may be the missing link. You have the access, just plug it in. If you've never asked the Holy Spirit to breathe life into the word of God and make your heart passionate about it, you're literally missing out. Plug it in. If you've never asked the Holy Spirit to not just speak to you, but speak for you and help you pray, you are shortchanging your conversation with God. Plug it in. If you've never cried out for comfort from the Holy Spirit in a time of need, then the greatest resource you have available to you at all times is not being fully tapped. Plug it in. If you're bound by addiction, the way to break that thing that we've been singing and talking about already is to plug into the power 
of the Holy Spirit. So if you find yourself someday, not long from now, and like you forgot to plug in to the Holy Spirit and his power in, area of, in any area of your life, what should you do? Mary and Joseph did something specific. Once they realized they had forgotten Jesus, and I think we can do the same thing if and when we realize that we've been living without the full power of the Holy Spirit. As soon as Mary and Joseph were aware that they forgot Jesus, nothing else mattered, right? They froze and then immediately, passionately, with haste, started searching for Jesus. And then they even went to the other city that they had just left to try and find him. As soon as you have an inkling, a suspicion that, I don't know if I'm really operating or walking or living in the fullness of the Spirit, freeze. Immediately shift your focus and ask the Holy Spirit to refill you once more, to empower you once more. You're not going to find the Holy Spirit unless you look for him. You're not going to connect with him unless you ask him to connect with you. You're much more likely to reconnect with the Holy Spirit if you're actively looking for the Holy Spirit. This is so simple, I know. Well, let's do it. You find something by looking for it. You find someone by looking for them, right? Hide and seek. And I might have shared this before, but when we were expecting our first child, we were living in Fredericksburg, Virginia, serving at a church there, and we desired to be closer to family. We desired to move back to Florida. So we were thinking about Florida. We were talking about Florida. We were praying about Florida. We were looking for positions in Florida. And you know what we started to see all over Fredericksburg, Virginia? Florida license plates. You know where you typically see a lot of Florida license plates? In Florida. Not in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And like we started seeing a ridiculous amount of them. Like, it was stupid. Like, or license plates. Like, Fredericksburg, Virginia is a beautiful city. We loved our time there, but it's not exactly a vacation destination. People aren't going there for spring break or summer. But because we were actively seeking and praying about and thinking about Florida, God kept showing us these little signs, these little plates that he heard us, that he was working things out, and we started to see what we were looking for. And we actually saw it before we saw it. Pastor Chris has said, we got to go there before we get there, right? You've got to see it before you see it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be open. Seek the Holy Spirit. I mean, just think, think about your prayer life. How often do you acknowledge the Holy Spirit? Right? We, we pray in, in Jesus' name. We, you might typically start out your prayer, you know, Father in heaven. Are you addressing, acknowledging the Holy Spirit at all in your prayer life? In your day-to-day life? If not, start doing that thing. And I promise you, you will start to see some things change for the better. 
So I know for, for most of us in here, everything I've said so far, that sounds good. Yeah, I can get behind that. We want to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, right? But how? Like, how do I do that? Daniel, give me some steps. Okay, I will. First, I would ask you to consider the other relationships that you have in your life, right? No matter who they're with, if it's a good relationship, did that happen automatically or did it happen by accident? No, it happened with intention, right? There was effort involved. You, you may have met someone by accident, but you don't develop a relationship with someone by accident. So if you want to develop a better and stronger relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you want to get to know the Holy Spirit better and plug into his power, there's a few things that you can do. The first, saturate yourself with the word of God. Saturate yourself with the word of God. Become thoroughly soaked by it. Absorbing as much as possible. Think about a sponge. So if you're squeezed in a time of tension or stress, what's going to come out? The word of God. Whew, that's good. Study the word. Meditate on the word. Pray through the word. Memorize the word. Believe the word. Expect to see what the word of God says you can see. Apply the word. Did you know at least 10% of what Jesus said in the New Testament was quoting scripture? If you cut Jesus, he was going to bleed the word of God. If we get cut, we ought to bleed the word of God, church. Saturate yourself with the word of God. Number two, ask for it. There's a concept. Ask for it. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Pray for his power. So many times we do not have because we do not ask. He knows what we want. He knows what we need. We still got to ask for it. He can read our minds. Sometimes you want somebody to know something that you want, or you, or you want them to do something uh, for you, but you never tell them. Like we expect them to be a mind reader, and it doesn't happen, and we get frustrated, right? Well, the Holy Spirit knows what we want. He knows what we need, but we still have to ask, and that's a hurdle for so many. We've got to ask over and over and over again to be filled with the fullness of his spirit because the fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much or is powerful and effective or it gets results. So ask and ask again. Number three, obey his instructions. Obey the spirit's instructions. The power of God's spirit is directly connected to and in direct proportion to our obedience. Hear that. The God, God's spirit is directly connected to and in direct proportion to our obedience. Meaning, the more obedient we are to the Holy Spirit's leading, the more of his power we will receive. The more obedient we are to the Holy Spirit's leading, the more of his power we will receive. Be obedient to the Spirit of God if you want to see more of the Spirit of God in your life. Number four, worship the King. Not just on Sunday morning. Because worship is a pathway of connecting with God. And we need that more often than just Sunday morning. Amen? The earliest disciples were recognized as having been with Jesus. 
having spent time in the presence of Jesus. The more time that you spend in worship and in the presence of God, the more you will look like you've been worshiping and spending time in the presence of God. So worship with your life every single day. And finally, be thankful. Be thankful. Rejoice. Show gratitude. Find joy in God in spite of circumstances because this shows us, this shows God that we trust that he is in control and that he's got it handled. Have you ever, like literally, out loud, asked the Holy Spirit to make you excited about reading his word? See, I wasn't doing some of these things that I'm preaching this morning for a long time, but this last week or two, I sure have. And, and I'm not talking about asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you through his word. That's one thing, and that's a great thing. I encourage you to do that. But have you ever asked the Holy Spirit, make me excited about reading your word? Holy Spirit, please make me passionate and intentional to set aside time to get into your word. Have you ever prayed that? I know a lot of people that don't like to read the Bible, and it's not because they got anything against the Bible. They just don't like to read anything. And they want to hear from God. They want to get to know him better. They want to experience more of him, but they're not reading his word. So I can guarantee they haven't asked the Holy Spirit to make them excited about reading the word. Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to make you excited about prayer, about talking to him? Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to make you excited about going on a fast? Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to make you excited about sharing your faith with someone? If not, why not? And start today. And if I'm honest, I don't know if I've ever been excited about going on a fast. I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little ashamed to say that. They've always been meaningful. They've always been fruitful. I've never ever regretted going on a fast but not eating when i'm hungry is just not something i look forward to it is not my idea of a good time and i've done a lot of things that just had to be done wasn't excited about them didn't look forward to them but spiritual disciplines like these i've just mentioned should not fall into that category amen i think a, a discipline that we ought to add to our list of spiritual disciplines is to ask the Holy Spirit to make us excited about spiritual disciplines. Really. I've been seeing more and more uh, student driver vehicles lately. And I'm not sure why this is. I've just been noticing a lot of them, kind of like the Florida license plates in Virginia. Uh, maybe it's just so I could mention it in a message. But who here ever had a driving instructor? Raise your hand. Okay. I had one as well. And the vehicle that I learned in, it didn't have two steering wheels, but it did have two sets of brakes. And my instructor felt the need to tap them a time or two on my behalf. Typically, cars are designed to have one operator, one driver. Why? Because letting two people try to control the same vehicle would have tragic results. The same is true in a spiritual sense when it comes to our lives. If you desire 
the Holy Spirit to be the one in control, the one driving. And if you want to walk in the fullness of his power, you have to admit that you need his help. And we don't like to do that, do we? You will have to surrender the steering wheel. A lot of times we want help, but we're not going to ask for it. And sometimes even when help is offered, we turn it away. Like, we got this. We've got to examine ourselves and, and be open to letting the Spirit of God take control, especially in those areas that we're tempted to kind of edge him out. Because oftentimes, instead of living in moment-by-moment moment active dependence upon him, we're so easily tempted to take back control. It's like, oh, let me drive today, Spirit. I want to drive today. I know the route. Been there, done that, right? I got this one thing covered. So we slide out of the passenger seat and attempt to push the Holy Spirit into the back seat so that we can get the wheel, and then we fall back into this unhealthy rhythm of doing things in our own power, our own way. And this can lead to a wreck. It can lead to sin. It can leave us just going through the motions of living a Christian-looking life, trying to make it with our own legalistic efforts, but just totally empty of God's power. And the Bible says if you're actively pursuing a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have fruit. We read that earlier, the fruit of the Spirit. And I just I want to remind us, these are of the Spirit. These are His fruit. He produces them. We might see them in our lives, but He produces them. And He produces them so that our lives would give glory to God and so that we'd become more like Jesus and be Jesus to others. And when the Holy Spirit is in control of our lives, the fruit is evidence of God at work within us. It, it starts to give us credibility. It starts to give us an open door to share Jesus with others that don't know him. We've got to be filled with the Spirit, and we've got to keep in step with the Spirit every single day. We can't base our actions off of momentary emotions, but only on faith in God's promises. And it takes consistency. Consistency is so key. For spiritual consistency will produce a prize worth waiting for. In closing, I read a story about a lady who had a small house on the seashore of Ireland at the turn of the century. And she was quite wealthy, but also quite frugal. So the people in the town were surprised when she decided to be one of the first to have electricity installed in her home. Several weeks after the installation, a meter reader appeared at her door, and he asked her if her electricity was working well, and she assured him that it was. I'm wondering if you can explain something to me, he said. Your meter shows hardly any usage. Are you using your power? Certainly, she answered. Each evening, when the sun sets, I turn my lights on long enough to light my candles. Then I turn them off. She was tapped into the power, but she wasn't using it. Her house was connected, but not affected by it. Let's not make the same mistake, church. Today is the day to plug in. If you want to break the things that we've been declaring are going to break in our lives, 
plug into the power of the Holy Spirit. This world, this nation, this city, our circles need to see us, the people of God, living and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Plug it in today and every day hereafter. Would you stand? Pastor Chris is going to close us out in just a moment, but first we're going to continue to worship a little bit more. We're going to enjoy the presence of God and the wonderful Holy Spirit that's in this place. Let's acknowledge him. Let's plug in.